Amen. It was good singing, being able to hit the high notes as well. We're turning together in the Word of God to the Gospel of John and to the chapter 10. The Gospel of John and to the chapter 10. Very well-known portion of God's Word. I'm sure will be familiar to most that are gathered here today. And we trust as we come to this portion of Scripture that the Lord will bless it afresh to each of our hearts. John's Gospel, the chapter 10, and we'll commence together at verse 1. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the speaker. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. We land there at verse 16. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We'll turn again to God's word. We've been reading together from the Gospel of John and the chapter 10. John's Gospel and the chapter 10. And I would like to draw to your attention the words of verse 11. We will look at a number of other verses 
in relation to the message this morning, but starting with John chapter 10 and the verse 11. And the Savior here says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And we're thinking of the Lord today as the shepherd. And the Bible describes him as the good shepherd and the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. And that's how we want to think of him together this morning. Let's unite in prayer. Ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our Heavenly Father, we do praise thee for the privilege of having thy word before us. We thank thee today that we're not following cunningly devised fables, but we're coming to that more sure word. We thank thee it is the word of the only true and living God. We pray, our Father, that we might receive it as such, that we would receive with meekness that engrafted word into our hearts, and that we would be in submission to thy precious truth. Lord, hedge us about now with the Saviour's precious blood. Give us help in the ministry of thy word and use it, our Father, to the extension of thy kingdom. Do hear and answer our prayer. We offer it in the Saviour's great name. Amen. Well, the thought of the Lord being a shepherd to his people is a theme that runs right throughout the scriptures and of all the titles and of all the names that are given of the Lord in the Bible surely the thought of him being the shepherd is one of the most encouraging and one of the most comforting titles to consider it's speaking to us about the Lord who is caring for his people the Lord who loves his people, he loves the flock. The Lord who provides for them, the Lord who protects them, the Lord who guides them. What a beautiful picture that is. And of course, as you think about the Lord being the shepherd, our minds would be irresistibly drawn to consider that best known of all portions concerning the Lord being the shepherd. And that, of course, is the 23rd Psalm. And there the psalmist David commences with the words, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. And, of course, scholars and Bible commentators tell us that that title there, Lord, is a reference to Jehovah. And it really reads, Jehovah is my shepherd. And that's an important point to consider. When we say the Lord is my shepherd and we refer to the Lord being the shepherd of his people, we're speaking about Jehovah. We're speaking about the sovereign Lord. The Psalm 80, it commences with the words, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Shepherd of Israel. That's how God's ancient people in the Old Testament viewed the Lord their God. They viewed him as their shepherd. And they're speaking about Jehovah. And they're saying Jehovah is the shepherd of Israel. He's the shepherd of his people. 
Jacob would testify in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. And in chapter 48 there where Jacob would be coming to the end of his days and coming to that point where he's going to bless his sons. And he has Joseph before him. And in Genesis chapter 48 and the verse 15, it says of Jacob, And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. And as Jacob began to speak to his son about the Lord his God, he said, it's the Lord who fed me all my life long. And that word there, fed, it's interesting to note that it's the exact same word that's translated shepherd. And so as Jacob is speaking about the Lord and wanting to testify of the Lord's faithfulness to him, he's saying, the Lord shepherded me and the Lord fed me. And you can see the central thought in Jacob's mind is that the Lord was his shepherd who had fed him, a faithful shepherd. That's what the Lord is. Over in Isaiah, the prophets, of course, have numerous examples of the Lord being that shepherd to his people. But in Isaiah 40, and there in the verse 11, we read these words. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young What a picture, a beautiful picture that is of the Lord and his dealings with his people. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. And it's not difficult for us to go to the word of God and to establish the fact that the Lord Jehovah is a shepherd to his people. And then whenever you come over into the New Testament and we have been reading In the New Testament scriptures in John chapter 10. And this is a chapter that is speaking to us about the Savior. The Savior is the shepherd to his people. And I want you to think firstly about the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And in our text there in verse 11, you notice the claim of the Savior there. He says, I am the good shepherd. And given the backdrop there in the Old Testament, just what we've quickly outlined by way of introduction, that it was the Lord Jehovah who was viewed as being the shepherd to his people. That makes the claim of the Lord Jesus Christ quite an amazing claim because he comes here and he says, I am And we know that that in itself is a title of Jehovah. He is the eternal and the great I am. But the Lord Jesus Christ goes further and he says, I am the good shepherd. And to those who heard the Lord that day, that meant only one thing. That meant that the Lord Jesus Christ was claiming to be God. Claiming to be Jehovah. Claiming to be the shepherd of his people. The shepherd of Israel. 
When you come down John chapter 10, you could cast your eye away down to the verse 33. And it says, The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. And so those who heard the Lord Jesus Christ that day, they understood well the implications of that claim. That when the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, it was a claim of deity. It was a claim of divinity that he is in fact God the Son. Many today who don't believe that, that Jesus Christ is God the Son. Many today who would want to teach something different. The Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, various other cults. They may say, oh, Jesus was a prophet or Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a great example, but they will fall short in saying that Jesus Christ is God. They will deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here you can see in John 10, as it develops, the Savior does not deny his deity. And the claim had been put there in our text of Scripture, I am the good shepherd. They knew that he was making himself to be God. And in verse 36 of this chapter, Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And when the Savior went on to make these further claims, the Jews were even more incensed at what the Lord Jesus Christ was claiming. And he said, I am the good shepherd. And he went on to say, I am the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. He's referring to his sacrificial death. His death there upon the center tree of Calvary. He's giving his life. His life was not taken from him in that sense. The Lord Jesus Christ had the power to lay down his life and he had the power to take it again. You look at verse 17. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. And so the Lord is saying, I am giving my life. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ upon Calvary, his sufferings there, the shedding of his precious blood, he did it willingly and he did it voluntarily. Voluntary sacrifice. And the Lord said that he gave his life. He gave his life for the sheep. And that was the commission that the Father had given to the Son. That's why he came into this world. 
He came into this world to go to the cross of Calvary and there outside the city wall of Jerusalem the Lord would lay down his life. And he laid down his life as the good shepherd, the loving shepherd, laying down his life for the sheep. What what a stark contrast there is to the hireling. There in verse 12, but he that is an hireling, just a hired hand, not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. He's just a hired hand. He doesn't own the sheep and therefore he doesn't have the same heart and the same care and the same love for the sheep. And when the wolf's coming, he'll leave them. He'll flee. But the Lord says, I am the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. And the loving shepherd will refer to those sheep as my sheep. You would read it in the chapter over and over again. My sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And the Lord in laying down his life and that readiness, that willingness to lay down his life and that voluntary sacrifice was for his sheep. This title of the Savior is connected with his sacrificial death upon the tree. He's the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. But I want you to look a little further over in your New Testament to Hebrews. Hebrews and the chapter 13. And here in Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to find that the Savior is not just referred to in the New Testament as the good shepherd, but he's the great shepherd. The great shepherd. In Hebrews 13 and the verse 20, it says, Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That great shepherd of the sheep. And this letter, Hebrews, as the title of it suggests, is written to the Jews. Written to those Jews who had embraced the gospel and embraced the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in him. But there were those Judaizers who were beginning to feel that they had lost out because all of the Old Testament ceremonies and rituals and all of the Mosaic law was being set aside. And they were trying to draw those Jews back to the old economy as if they were in some way losing out. Then this final chapter of the letter, the apostle closes with a prayer for them. And words of verse 20 are really uh, framed in a prayer. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. And he speaks about the God of peace and The Lord Jesus is the one who has made peace through the blood of his cross. He is that great shepherd. 
And as the great shepherd, that title is here in this verse of Scripture connected with the resurrection of the Savior. Brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd. And so if we thought about the good shepherd and that title was connected with the death of the Lord Jesus and with his sufferings upon the tree, when you come to think of him as the great shepherd, that's connected with his resurrection. And the good shepherd who died for his people is the great shepherd who rose again for his people. We're emphasizing here as the apostle did that the Lord Jesus Christ is the living Savior. We sang the words, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. The Lord Jesus Christ is not a dead Savior. The Lord Jesus is that living Savior and he is that great shepherd, the one who rose from the dead for his sheep. And in Hebrews chapter 7 and the verse 25, the apostle says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And so the Lord Jesus is the great shepherd. He is risen from the grave. And he has ascended into heaven. And he lives at the right hand of God the Father. And the apostle said there in Hebrews 7 and 25, He ever liveth. He lives in the power of an endless life. He ever liveth. And he ever liveth to make intercession for his people. And so the great shepherd who has risen from the grave, he is there at the right hand of the Father on high and he's making intercession for his people. The living Lord who is no longer in the grave, but the living Lord who is alive forevermore. It's the one who prays for his people. And the believer can know that loving shepherd every day can know his presence, can know that fellowship with him, can know that communion with him. Whenever Peter was writing that first epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2 and the verse 25, he said, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now that well describes our testimony. We did like sheep go astray. Oh, Isaiah the prophet tells us that, that we were those sheep going astray. The apostle Peter takes that up as well, and he tells us that ye were as sheep going astray, but ye have returned. And ye have returned on to the one who is the shepherd of our souls. He shepherds us in that he provides for us. And he protects us. And he guides and directs our steps. And we know today that living shepherd. And we can know what it is to walk in fellowship with him. And so when you think of these titles that are given to the Lord, do you see him today as the good shepherd? 
who laid down his life for his sheep. He's the great shepherd who lives for his sheep. But then there's a third title, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 5 and the verse 4. And this third title shows the Lord as the chief shepherd. And the Apostle Peter writes there in 1 Peter 5 and the verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. It is with interest that we note the Apostle Peter was writing to a persecuted people. He was writing this first epistle to a people who were going to experience uh, fierce trials. They were going to go through great times of difficulty. And Peter wants to bring an encouraging word to them. He wants to help God's people. He wants to comfort them. He wants to remind them of the Lord. And therefore, what a great attribute, what picture will he present of the Lord to such a people? It is that he is the shepherd, a loving, caring shepherd to his people. And notice the term there in 1 Peter 5 and 4. He calls him here the chief shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. In the context of 1 Peter 5, you can see from the verse 1, Peter is actually addressing the elders. The elders who are the oversight can be referred to as the under-shepherds. The under-shepherds of God's people. And the Apostle Peter here is taking that thought because now when he's referring to the Savior, he's referring to the chief shepherd. Notice Peter's not referring to himself as the chief shepherd. The Roman Catholic Church would say Peter was the first pope. They'd say the pope is therefore the chief shepherd, but the apostle Peter himself is the one who points us here to the chief shepherd, and he's saying we're just the under-shepherds, but there is one who is the chief shepherd, and he's pointing us to the Savior, and he's referring here to the second coming of the Savior, and when the chief shepherd shall appear... That's the second coming of the Lord. And so you can see that the good shepherds connected with the death of the Lord Jesus for his sheep. And as the great shepherd, it refers to his resurrection for his sheep. But when he's referred to as the chief shepherd, that's connected with his coming again for his sheep coming in great power and in glory. And it's promised here when the chief shepherd shall appear. There's no doubt about it. The Lord is coming back again. If you have any understanding of the Bible and the teaching of the Bible, we know that we're living in the last days. And when you look around at global events that have taken place and in these past few years, there have been seismic global, global events that would be tying in with the scriptures and the signs of the times in the last days that are leading up to the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ when the chief shepherd shall appear. 
Peter would go on in his second epistle to speak in the third chapter about the Savior's coming again. He refers to those who scorn and he refers to those who mock. And in 2 Peter 3 and the verse 4, there are those who say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Those who say, well, every day just seems to come and go as it's always come and gone. And everything seems to be continuing on. Where is the promise of his coming? Peter goes on to leave them in no doubt that the day of the Lord will come. And he says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This is the word of a God who cannot lie. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And the Lord is coming back, the chief shepherd. He's coming back for his sheep. He's coming back for his people. What an amazing truth that the chief shepherd shall appear. That brings us to ask ourselves a question, even within the quietness of our own hearts today, to face the question honestly before God, am I one of the Lord's sheep? Am I one of the Lord's sheep? Was there a time in my life when I came to repent of my sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to accept him as my own and personal saviour? Can I really say with the psalmist David, the Lord is my shepherd? We have been thinking of him under these various titles and it's good to acknowledge that he is the good shepherd and the great shepherd and the chief shepherd, but is he your shepherd? Do you have that saving faith in the Lord? Is he your shepherd? And are you one of his sheep? Now, whenever you think of these titles of the Lord, how important it is to know that we're part of the Lord's flock, that we're shut into him eternally, and that we shall never perish. Because the Lord said in John chapter 10 and the verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. The Lord who laid down his life for his sheep and rose again for his sheep and who's coming again for his sheep, he gives them eternal life and they'll never perish. Oh, be sure today that the Lord is your shepherd. I'm sure you've heard the story of the two men who were to recite the 23rd Psalm. And they recited it before a vast audience. And the first man was a great orator. He was able to recite it perfectly. 
was able to recite it with great emphasis and with great elegance. Whenever he came to the end of the psalm, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, they broke out in rapturous applause. How well he had recited that psalm. The second man to recite it was an old saint of God. He began to read it slowly but with feeling. And as he read down the psalm, there were those in that vast audience who began to weep. And whenever he had finished reading that psalm, the orator stepped forward and he said, I know the psalm, but this man knows the shepherd. I ask you today, do you know the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd? And are you ready for that moment when the chief shepherd shall appear?